The text for the sermon this morning is Proverbs 25. I'd just like to direct your attention once again to Proverbs 25, verse 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Thus far our text. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, just, just reading those words of our text, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Just reading those words draws us in. It's rich and it's powerful imagery. And I think all of us confess that at some time, perhaps more times, we have been convicted by our lack of self-control. We struggle with control of ourselves. We struggle with control of our thoughts, our desires. And just reading those words without any further words spoken, we get a glimpse of what that means for us when we do that. Like a city with no walls. A person with no self control is someone who does not have control over his will, his thoughts, his emotions, or his actions. And literally, what the text says is a man who has no control of his spirit. His own spirit is something that has a life of its own, and he doesn't control it. There's nothing that restrains it or holds it back. These words convict, but they also contain wisdom for us, wisdom that we should cherish as we struggle with self-control in this life. This proverb contains great wisdom and guidance for life, and it contains the gospel. The wisdom of self-control is something that we should cherish as we live as a people who belong to Jesus Christ. Now what Solomon does is he uses the image of a broken down wall to help us understand what a lack of self-control does. Now this tells us the effect of not having self-control, but it also means, it also tells us what it means to have self-control. Now in ancient times, cities needed walls. Now you can think of Jericho, the time when Joshua and Israel came with the conquest, during the conquest. Jericho, you should understand, was the gateway to the land of Canaan. And the Canaanites had a big welcome sign out for anybody who would come into their land, and that was a wall surrounding the city, huge walls. Now we know what the Lord did with those walls. Those walls that were so difficult to overcome, the Lord just knocked them down. But we should not forget the reason why the Canaanites had those walls. Strong walls meant that the city was protected. What God did in breaking down the walls at Jericho was to send a message to the people of Canaan, but it was not something that that undermined what walls were supposed to do. 
Jerusalem, the city of God, had walls. And those walls were toppled during the exile. It was a symbol of them being overrun. A broken through wall meant that nothing was there to stop an enemy from overrunning the city. They were exposed, they were vulnerable. And the way in which Solomon describes these broken down walls in verse 28 is that there were, they were not simply broken down, they were completely, they were completely broken through, completely broken down. There was nothing there. The city was completely vulnerable. It was an invitation, a sign to the enemies that they could overrun the city. Just like Jericho's strong walls were a sign to invaders, don't try it. A city with broken down walls was an invitation. We're free for the picking. Come and get us. And that's what Solomon is saying about someone who has no self-control. The, the fool tears down his own wall. He leaves himself vulnerable and he gives an invitation to all takers. I am here. Nothing protects me. Have at it. The fool, the one who has no self-control is an instrument of his own destruction and downfall. Now as we work this out in our lives, it's perhaps helpful to look at what this tells us about self-control. Now first of all, the very concept of self-control means that there is a sort of division within a person. A way in which a person can step outside of himself or herself and look at themselves and control themselves. We sang Psalm 42 at the beginning of this worship service. It is a beautiful psalm. But did you notice what the psalmist was doing? He was asking his soul. He was battling with his soul. He was stepping back from himself and then addressing himself. That's something that young children often have a hard time doing. It's often something that is a sign of immaturity in older children and adults. An inability to step outside of yourself and look at yourself. but it's also something that happens when we spiritually grow up. Self-control means stepping back from yourself and looking at yourself. You know, the second thing we can notice is that it means that our spirits, ourselves, that part of us that we can step outside of, it means that our spirits can act in a way uncontrolled by us. They can be opposed to our own interests. And then third, the thing that we can see here is that self-control implies that there's a standard. You control your spirit because you want it to go down a certain path. You hold your spirit back because you don't want to go down another path. And Solomon tells us that self-control, those three things that we just noticed, they function like a wall around us. And that, what you see is those three things coming together. A person who has no self-control has not grown up spiritually. They have not developed the ability to step outside of themselves and look at themselves. 
They are infants, they're babies, children. It means that a person who has no self-control is at the mercy of a part of himself that has no restraints and which can do him great harm. And finally, a person who has no self-control has taken the standard of God's law, love of God and love for the neighbor, as it relates to how we control and direct our lives, and has discarded it and disregarded it, ignored it. He lives only out of a love for himself. When this wall of self-control crumbles, Solomon points out, we are exposed to attack. But two things happen. The first is that we are left exposed to enemies. As was noted before, we almost invite them to attack. In our catechism, we talk about three enemies. We confess that from Scripture. Those enemies are Satan, the world, and our own sinful nature. And when we break down the wall of self-control, we expose ourselves to those enemies. That's something that we need to understand. Just as Christ said to Peter on the night he was betrayed, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. Satan desires to sift us all like wheat. He wants to break you. And when you're not able to step outside of yourself, when you're not able to look at yourself and to see where you're going and what you're doing, when you have no ability to control yourself, when you have little or no desire to conform yourself to God's standard, Satan will have you. It means that you're open to Satan's torments and his leading away. Perhaps some of you here have experienced that, gone through valleys in your walk with the Lord where that wall crumbled. You gave in You lost sight of who God is. You lost sight of God's law. You allowed your own self to to go its own way. And you can recall the, the valleys you went through. The pain. The sorrow. The torments. At the hand of Satan. That is a real threat. And it tells us that that wall is so important. As Christ said to his disciples on the night he was betrayed, pray that you will not fall into temptation. There is someone who, makes, who wants you to fall. Don't help him. Don't give him a footing. Don't open the door. Don't tear down your own wall. And the second thing that happens, the second enemy that that comes to us is the world. We're exposed to the world around us. It's something that we see so much around us. When you look at entertainment choices, think about the movies, the TV shows, the things you watch on Netflix, the music you listen to, and think about how it's forming you. You may be so caught up in the program that you're willing to overlook the horrible things that are going on there. You break down the wall 
You say, I know this is not good stuff, but Game of Thrones is so good. Breaking Bad, the finale, I can't wait. I just love that artist though. I know Rihanna does it, but you know, the video is bad, but the song, I really like it. Are you telling me I can't have that stuff? I'm strong enough, I can overlook all of that other stuff. You let loose your spirit. You let loose your soul. You say, I will let it go where it pleases. There is this arrogance that you're strong enough not to be formed by what you're watching. In fact, there may be some of you sitting here, here he goes again. Or actually, I don't come here that often, so here he goes. I like that show. He probably hasn't watched it. I like that artist. He probably doesn't like that genre. You probably, you got your back up. How dare you tell me what I can't watch? What you're saying before the Lord is, how dare you tell me to control my spirit? My spirit's strong. I can be like Jericho after the conquest. I don't need a wall. But that arrogance means that you're exposed to the world. And what happens is that the world forms you. Look at yourself and see how you've been formed by the things that the world around you is giving you. How their values become your values. And how your spirit has no anchor. Your soul has no anchor. You're blown off course so easily. Hold fast to who you are in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came. He saved you. He overcame the world. And in him you can overcome the world. But not by becoming like the world. And embracing everything that's there. That's opposed to God. Opposed to love of God and love of the neighbor. It's difficult. This is probably one of the more difficult things some of you may hear this morning but that the Lord calls you to exercise self-control in your choice of entertainment. That convicts all of us. And the third enemy that we're exposed to is ourselves. We've talked about it already. We often blame things on the world around us or on Satan. But our own sinful nature is lurking in the background always, looking for an opportunity to attack, like sin crouching at the door for Cain. Our, ourselves, our sinful nature is crouching at the door, looking for an opportunity. If you struggle in a certain sin and you don't have control over yourself, you become your own worst enemy. You open yourself up to deep sin to pain and to sorrow. You let loose yourself on yourself. So the first thing that happens when that wall breaks down is that you are exposed to the enemies in this world. But the second thing that happens is that there's nothing to restrain you from breaking out on the world. That's one of the things about walls and doors. They keep people out, but they also keep people in. 
but one with no self-control, has no restraint on his thoughts, his words, his actions, and so others are not protected from him. Think about it. When you are addicted to alcohol or to drugs, if you're a workaholic, an adulterer, a liar or a thief or a gossip or a bully, when you fall into those ways of being, you are someone who is unable to restrain their will, their spirit. A person who does that has given themselves over to themselves and they damage themselves. They cause them to go through great valleys, but they cause harm to all those around them. They break out against them. For those of us who are workaholics, it's something that's so easy to do. You feel like you're being so productive, working hard, especially men, to support your families. But then you look up and you realize that you're actually harming those around you. It may feel good to share a tender morsel of gossip, but do you see what you've done to somebody else? School starts in a few weeks. Boys, girls, And it'll feel good. Somebody popular says, so-and-so is this, this, and this. And you go, yeah, no, no, no. And you spread it on. And that person that's popular suddenly likes you and you feel so good. But what have you done to that person? You've let go. You haven't controlled yourself. You're going to harm yourself if you keep doing that. But you've also harmed somebody else that's God's child. So you take it all together. A person who has no control over his spirit runs wild and breaks out on himself or herself and invites disaster and ruin and becomes not God-focused or God-centered. A person who has no self-control has damaged their relationship with God and with their neighbor. That's something that we need to, to come to terms with as we read through actually the book of Proverbs as a whole and as we come to apply and cherish the wisdom of self-control and apply it to our lives. As you read through the book of, book of Proverbs, what you need to understand is that the book of Proverbs is God's law applied to everyday life. It's God's law being worked out in everyday life. You can see that, for instance, just after our text in Proverbs 26, there's the famous verses there. If you turn with me, you'll see it. Maybe you noticed when we were reading, verse 4 and verse 5. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him himself. That sounds good. But then you read the second one. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. They're right next to each other. They say the complete opposite thing. It wasn't an accident that Solomon did that, a typo. How can that be wisdom? It sounds contradictory. But it's God's law being worked out 
In one situation, you don't answer a fool according to his folly. In another, you do. You live out love for God and you live out love for your neighbor in life. That's what Proverbs is. That's what wisdom is. Proverbs 1.7, we read, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So living a life of wisdom means living constantly with a fear of the Lord, not a a being afraid of the Lord in that sense, but a, a fear that is about an awe and a love for the Lord. You know who he is, you know what he's done, and you fear him. Living the law allows us to live as God has meant us to live. We were created to love God and to love our neighbor. When we don't do that, we become less than God made us to be, less than he meant us to be. When we live a life of love for the neighbor, that involves living self-control. That means loving the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. To live without self-control is to act without regard to God and to your neighbor and even to yourself. In the New Testament, self-control is listed as, one of, as part of the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we read earlier, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what that means, brothers and sisters, is that self-control is part of your new life in Christ. Not having self-control, abandoning it, that's part of the old nature. But cherishing self-control That is part of your new nature. It's part of what it looks like to to follow Christ, to love him, and to live for him. It is good. It's, It's pleasing to God. It's good for us. It's good for those around us. Now, this convicts all of us. You might be feeling, I'm going to walk away feeling like I'm not a Christian because last night I sure didn't have self-control. This morning I sure didn't have self-control. You know, I yelled at my kids. I, I got mad at my wife. I did this, I did that. What hope is there for me? I don't have the fruit of the Spirit. I don't live self-control. But what Solomon's words do is they call us to look outside of ourselves. To look for our salvation in the Lord and in his wisdom. Wisdom is a gift of God. It's grounded in the fear of the Lord and it's something that nourishes, it's something that strengthens, it's something that protects. We sang of it in Psalm 119. The psalmist just rejoices in the beauty of God's law and what it means to him and how it it nurtures him, how it feeds him, it blesses him. 
Solomon's words here in our text call us to realize that there is a standard by the standard maker, the creator of heaven and earth, that he has revealed himself to us, that he's revealed his wisdom to us. In living today, we know even more than Solomon did. We know that the creator of heaven and earth has revealed his wisdom in his son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That he is our wisdom. That he is our sanctification. He is the one who makes us holy. He's the one who renews us by his spirit. These words convict, but they also comfort. They convict because the one who speaks is the one who has called us to himself and made us his people. They comfort us because they're gospel. Because the one who set the standard, the one we long to live for, the one we long to have self-control so that we can serve, he spoke these words and he sent his son. Solomon's words here point us to our Lord Jesus Christ, the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He's the one who protects. He's the one who guides. He's the one who saves. Saves us from our sins. Saves us from our enemies. Saves us from ourselves. The believer's spirit has been rescued has been redeemed, has been renewed. That's what you have in Christ. And when you think about self-control, don't begin with self-control. That's secular wisdom. Say, if only I can be more self-controlled, I'll be a better person. God will love me more. No. Flip it all the way around. God can't love me more than he already does in Jesus Christ. That's a fact and I love him for it, and I want to live for him. And that means I want to be self-controlled. I cherish the wisdom of self-control. And when you belong to Jesus Christ, you see that you are like the Jerusalem that Zechariah saw. Zechariah 2.5, a Jerusalem, he saw a Jerusalem with no walls because the Lord will be a wall of fire around it and its glory within. When you belong to Jesus Christ, Christ is your wall, your power that surrounds you and his spirit is within you. Solomon's words encourage us to put on the armor of God. To use the words of Paul, Ephesians 6, 10, 11. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You belong to Jesus Christ. He is your savior. You are loved by God. Don't stand on your own. Why would you? Put on the armor of God. Submit to the Spirit, be formed by the Spirit, and stand against everything that's opposed to you. Satan, the world, your own sinful nature. Solomon's words point us to pray. 
to fall before the Lord in prayer and to rest in him. His words direct us and our hearts to God and to rest in God's strength and power. The words of our text direct us, drive us to be, to cherish the wisdom of self-control and drive us to long to be a city whose wall is the Lord. And they direct our soul to find rest in Him. Amen.